So today on the podcast, I have one of the most positive people I've ever had the privilege of meeting. Her name is Jules King, and she is an adaptive CrossFit athlete. Jules was diagnosed at Parkinson's at the age of 35, if I'm correct. But her first symptom started when she was 19 years old, so went undiagnosed for 16 years, which left her in a state where she was in a wheelchair and couldn't do much for herself. She then came back from this to find CrossFit, where she then began to compete, where she's competed in the Marbella Championships, and she's also managed to compete in triathlons as well. Jules has proved so many people wrong and is trying to promote the message of positivity that life doesn't end when you get diagnosed with a disease like Parkinson's. It's such a great message and I hope you enjoy episode six of the podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe and share with anyone who may enjoy it. And yeah, really enjoyed this one with Jules. So thank you for your time and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Jules King, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, do you want to tell everyone a bit about yourself, what you do, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I'm Jules, obviously, and um, I have early onset Parkinson's. Um, I have managed to get myself from stage five, the last stage of Parkinson's, to, I'm not quite sure what stage, but to a livable standard of life through CrossFit and exercise and diet, mainly CrossFit. (laughs) That, to me, because I came across your story through, obviously, uh Craig Ritchie's video that he did of you and that I watched that and I couldn't help but be motivated and feel positive because someone who has obviously gone through so much and is so positive and you've obviously the way you spoke about it you've seemed positive the whole way through it I kind of want to start with where it where it came about where did uh young onset Parkinson's come about for you so um i was like i've had an an amazing childhood and um, i had a child quite young at 17 and um then my my partner who i was with at the time and he he died in a car crash and um they think the shock of that brought it on so the symptoms started literally a month after his death so uh yeah it just like smallest to be honest i didn't even realize it was a symptom at the time and i was out partying (laughs) and um my big toe curled up uh, which was really bizarre and i just couldn't relax it to save my life like it just would not relax it was really quite painful was it like a cramp yeah quite yeah it was just like it's just really sticking up and whatever I did however hard I concentrated just would not relax whatever so um yeah and then um the other thing I noticed is that my rhythm had gone like I was a ballet dancer loved dancing always on the dance floor at nightclubs and everything um and I just couldn't dance like the rhythm in me had gone and I was like just couldn't move but Everyone thought that was a bit bizarre, but I just brushed it off and thought it was nothing. So, so what? What? When that was happening, how were you feeling? Did you did you just think there was something? You know, like maybe it was like a a virus that was affecting you. Did you? What did you think it was? To be honest, I didn't think it was anything really. I just thought it was just a bit bizarre. Um, did you yeah, just think you lost the ability to dance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd all of a sudden lost my groove. But um, yeah, no, it was it was really bizarre. Like I'm very much um, the person that's like, when you're ill, you just get on with it. And, you know, if you complain about it, it makes it so much worse. Yeah. So just grit your teeth and get through it. <laughs> so well, obviously there was those symptoms where you started losing your ability to move the way you wanted but obviously doesn't seem as severe as it got so then from there what were you following on symptoms where you then started to think this is actually something wrong okay so balance was a big issue um i was falling over like um for no reason at all um my, like my top half would go but my bottom half wouldn't come with me and that's when I perfected my penguin dive <laughs> but um yeah 
it was balance was the big issue that I thought, yeah, something's not quite right here. And I was working in uh, Ward 3 in Withybush Hospital, my local hospital. And my uh, the sister, who was my boss, um, said, you know, the patients are supporting you rather than you're supporting the patients, which I was devastated because I, I loved my job. Um, but yeah, so that was when I really realised something wasn't quite right. It's, I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be so, like not be in control of what I'm doing. I can't, I can't, because obviously I'm someone who's, I've grown up, I've been able to do what I want. I'm perfectly healthy. I can't imagine that, you know, all of a sudden, how old were you at this point? I was, well, 19, between 19 and 23, this was, so yeah. yeah. So just not being able to voluntarily do the things that I want to do, it just, it that's what, it's, it's so mind-blowing to me that like, and obviously Parkinson's has this, um we have this ideology of it that it's when you're older i'd yeah i'd actually never heard of young onset parkinson's until the video that i watched a week ago oh yes so, go on it's, sorry as well it's quite unheard of but um yeah it was that's why i think it went and misdiagnosed and undiagnosed for so long so when did you first go to see a doctor about what was going on um, so I went when I was about 21 and um, when I was still working at that point and I had like a shake, like my body would shake all the time. I wouldn't have said it was a tremor. It was more like just a, like, you know, when you're really cold and you like shake, shiver, it was like that. And I said my balance was wrong and um, my walking was funny because I was dragging my leg. That was the other thing. Like people were saying, oh, what have you done to your leg? And I'd be like, uh, I don't actually know. I didn't even realise I was dragging it. And so I went to see them and a movement disorder guy I went to see. And he basically said I took too much Ventolin for the shakes that they were giving me the shakes. And he was at a loss as to what was wrong with me. Because I had a lot of problems in my ears while I, while I was growing up. Um, and they just put the balance problems down to that. Wow. So, just really so, so then you obviously were they, they were at a loss as to what it was did things symptoms start to get worse did you start to lose any abilities thereon yeah so the, ba the balance problem became a real big issue and um, I was falling over and hating myself quite a lot like I um, ejected myself out of the gate in my guard, from my garden and I cut all my face down my chin and my cheek and my nose because um, I wouldn't have the ability to put my hands out to stop me either. So they just, the messages just wouldn't get into them to save me. And then, yeah, and then the coordination got worse and it just deteriorated over time to the point where I was in a wheelchair then. So what age did you end up in a wheelchair? So I'm quite stubborn and uh, refused to get in a wheelchair for a long time. Um, but I was wheelchair bound pretty much um, from 30, I'd say. Wow. But I was using a wheelchair like to go out with my kids. If I wanted to go for a walk with them, my mum would push me in the wheelchair up to when I was 30, but I was constantly in a wheelchair from 30. So I, I, I kind of wanted to get into this later, but I think it's a good time now. How did it affect your kids, obviously, when they were growing up? We talked about this the other day because we haven't actually ever discussed it. Um, they, they, they were wonderful. Like when they just adapted, to be honest, um, they didn't think it was anything different. Um, it was just a norm to them. And um, mum was just a bit spazzy <laughs> and fell over all the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, and she walked a bit funny, and we never really got any comments off other children, so they they weren't too bothered by it. They, they had a really loving home. Like, I was lucky enough that I didn't have to work, so I got to spend all that quality time with them. So, as a family, it didn't really, really affect us as much. They've just become really caring people, and they're just lovely from it, to be honest. Yeah, your your daughter in the video had this really great, uh, just sort of positivity about her, about just about the whole thing. 
choice. They have to be positive. They got. <laughs> yeah, the most positive person I think I've ever come across is the mum. They can't not be, can they? <laughs> Um, and my son was like, when he was a small child, like baby, baby, um, he to walk around with him was quite dangerous because I there was the possibility I'd fall with him. So he just used to grab on to me, like so. Yeah, they just adapt, don't they? Kids are quite resilient. Yeah. So then, obviously, you're in a wheelchair at thirty. So for by that point, it's been 11 years since your first symptom and you had, still hadn't been diagnosed. So how long then was it until the diagnosis of young onset Parkinson's? So I got officially diagnosed when I was 35. Um, so uh, I, I went into hospital with a DVT, quite an extensive one. Um and nearly lost my leg through it. Um, wow. but so I came out of hosp hospital pretty much in a cabbage state. As Sophie calls it, the cabbage era. <laughs> um, I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't scratch an itch. I couldn't feed myself. Um, even sitting at by the din at dinner table, they'd have to tie me to the chair because I would just fall forward into my dinner because I had no um, what I call low centre of gravity, but just no strength or any ability to hold my body. Um, yeah, so so the DVT um, then that was pretty much the cabbage era, and yeah, and then thirty five I got diagnosed. So 16 years it went undiagnosed. Yeah. That's insane. Obviously, it was, like you you said before, it was because you were so young, they didn't really yeah. believe it would be Parkinson's. And and I also think I didn't shout loud enough either because I, I didn't complain enough that I was as ill as I was. Were you in pain with it? Or were you, or like, were you keeping that in? Yeah, because... I do, I'm still suffering with pain quite a lot, um, but no one knows because what like my attitude is what's the point of saying that you're in pain because it just again it just makes it worse because if you get sympathy for it you're like oh yes it is really bad, <laughs> but uh, if you're not given sympathy then you just get on with it. But yeah, I was in pain quite a lot and I ha had to hide that from my children as well when they were jumping on me and pushing me down and things and I was yeah. like ah that really hurts but I won't show it. <laughs> so when you were diagnosed how did like so when they told you it was young onset Parkinson's how did you feel at that moment? Um, a relief a big relief that I had a name for something that was wrong with me um because I spent I felt like I spent years proving that there was something not quite right with me um, and also a little bit of devastation as well, because I was under the belief that medication for Parkinson's only worked for five years. So I was like, oh no, I really got five years to like cram in as much as I can to that time. But yeah, so. Yes, because, I, wait, no, actually, I, I think I had, yeah, Michael J. Fox, the actor out of Back to the Future, he had young onset Parkinson's, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know how that passed over my head. I I have heard of Young Onset Parkinson's. I, I just really hadn't thought about him. it. I really want to meet him. I think we, me and him would get on like a house on fire. Because <laughs> he had a similar. I'm pretty sure he had a similar issue where it was a trauma affected the onset mm. of it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you know much else. Like, do you know any anything else that can cause it? Obviously, it's genetic. But is there anything else that I, can cause it? Um, I I wouldn't know to be honest. I I'm quite yeah no I wouldn't know. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um. So obviously, when you were diagnosed, they what was the medication they then prescribed you? So the magic pill that I always wanted was the Madapar, which is levodopa. Um. Yeah. Within like how well. Four hours of taking it, my mum noticed the difference in movement in my body. I I personally didn't notice, but uh, it was the next tablet I took. And then, yeah, then I was walking around on the phone to my brother going, I'm walking. 
That, like, I can't believe that you spent like a few years in a wheelchair and obviously in your cabbage era, as you call it. <laughs> and yeah, and then all of a sudden you take two tablets and you're yeah. up and you're up and moving again. It's like it's like the answer was always there, kind of thing. But they just yeah. obviously didn't know. Yeah, it really was. It's as simple as that. But then when you know what it is, it is always that simple. Yeah. So how did they diagnose it? How did they come to the conclusion that that was what it was? And um, so there was a few other diagnoses um, like flown around. Um, Dopa responsive dystonia was flown around. Um, uh, basically, Parkinson's, I think, is diagnosed whether you respond to the medication or not. Um, I think there is something you can have done, like a DAP scan or something like that to check the nerves and things. But um, I got mine diagnosed through the use of Madapar because I was so responsive to it. That, it it's just, I, I'm still in disbelief at the fact that <laughs> it took two tablets and you were up and moving again. But, but when the medication wears off, I went back to like cabbage state and then I'd have to wait for the next medication to kick in until I was moving again. Wow. So... Obviously, that would have brought you some level of sort of hope as to getting back to how you were previously. But was there any time where you sort of felt like this is it? This is just what life's going to be now, where you're just in a wheelchair. You're tied to a chair to stay upright at dinner. Like, did you ever believe that was it? No, the God, no. I, I'm, as I've said, I'm so stubborn, it's unreal. Um, I... Uh... No, never give up hope. I never did. Like there was one day, just one day, I thought it was all over. Um, but apart from that day, it was all my family is really positive and I was included in everything. So there was never any real down days, to be honest. So, yeah, so no, what, never, never given up hope. What was that day? What caused you to feel like that? Because obviously, of how positive you are, what made that just be pushed aside um basically i felt like my body was giving up on me it was just tired it was in a lot of pain and i myself wasn't giving up but it just felt like my body was and i i just went to i went out for the day with my friend um and asked my mum to pick me up early because i was in so much pain and then like, I can remember the drive home just thinking, I think this is the last time I'm going to see a tree. This is the last time I'm going to see this and that. And taking it all in, I was quite content because I was happy with what where I got to. And I just thought my body needed a rest. So um, I went to bed that afternoon because I just couldn't cope anymore and um, gave my mum the biggest hug. And thought that was the last time I was going to see it. But then luckily I woke up, so I carried on fighting. Wow. That, I, I, how do you, like the next day when you wake up, was that just because you woke up, you were like, I'm not giving up now. Like that's yeah. the last time I even attempt to give up. Yeah, totally. I just think and the day before I was, like I know I said it, but I was in so much pain that I just, I couldn't see any other way other than being in that massive amount of pain and, and tiredness. Like, like, you know, you say you're tired after a night out or something. It was beyond that. It was just, my body was just like, just give me a break. Like, it's so tired of trying to do these things. Um, but then when I woke up, I was like, right, this is it. There's a reason I've woken up. Um, I've got to keep fighting. There's that, got to be something to be done. That's incredible. I absolutely love that. Um, so then from then, where did you start to, obviously, because you've said there's five, is the five stages of Parkinson's? I think so. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I've read that there's five stages, well, but I was well, at the very last. We'll go with five. So there's five, yeah. five being the worst. How did you then take yourself from, obviously with the help of the medication, but how did you take yourself from 
the fifth stage, the, the worst one, to where you are now? Um, basically having a fight about you and stubbornness and <laughs> the will to want to get there. Um, so I really started with um, a simple walk every day. Um, it started as simple as just walking up the garden path and back and getting myself to the toilet by myself and just, you know, all those kind of simple tasks, spending, um, doing daily tasks that everyone else does, that everyone else takes for granted. Um, just like even putting the dishes away. So that was a goal for me at one stage. And, but then to make it go further, this walk a day turned into, I have a race course just by me which is two kilometers. And my mum used to walk it every day with my dog. So my goal was to get around there without stopping. And I did it in six weeks. Like it took me six, didn't like the whole walk, it didn't take me six weeks. But. Yeah, <laughs> just camping out <laughs> on, camping on the trip. And <laughs> yeah. um, it took me six weeks to complete without stopping. Wow. So at any point was there anyone who was saying that you couldn't do these things oh definitely there was people that were gonna were saying that you know this is as far as I would go this is as good as I would get but I think if you've got a bit of I don't know what the word is but if you've got something about you that you want to get further I think you you can as I say anything is possible yeah I've seen firsthand um, so my, my nan, she has what's called post-polio syndrome. Um, right. And basically, so polio, when she had that as a kid, it basically comes back to bite you in the arse when you get to later life and causes all sorts of problems. But she's given in to the fact that doctors have said, this is how you're going to be. Mm. And it's just so hard to watch it. And, you know, I guess from your standpoint as well, you're looking at like, you, you know, your kids, you want to be, doing things with your kids and pushing yourself to, you know, be able to, I don't know, go for a walk with the dog with them yeah. and not fall over kind of thing. Um, so what else, so what other milestones did you then come to reach? Okay. Well, this one's quite cool. Um, so my, I joked to my doctor, um, and said, I'm going to just do a triathlon. And he just looked at me and shook his head and was like, Jules, I know you're a, like a fighter, but that's not probably physically possible. I d you can't do it. And that was the worst thing he could have said to me. Because if you say I can't do something, I have to do it. Um, and I went on to complete three triathlons. Wow. So <laughs> how, how did you find training for them? Oh, tough. But, um, and there were days where I was like, oh, I, today this is actually pretty impossible but um yeah the biking was good because apparently biking and cycling is really good for um parkinson's it reduces symptoms the rhythm of it apparently helps um running i hate running with a passion so that was just yeah i knew i just had to get that done and the swimming i was always a swimmer when i was young so the technique and all was there so it was fine like it was hard work, really hard work. I had to keep on it, but yeah, it was good, good fun. Here's a question then. So you obviously said like you, you, the swimming was fine, but does Parkinson's affect your motor learning pattern? So obviously as a kid, you learn to do certain things, but does it affect the way you remember them and does it take longer to maybe get back to it? Uh, I don't think so. I think once it's ingrained in you, it's there but is more about the messages that get sent to places in your body. I, my doctor has explained it to me, but I, I'm terrible at remembering <laughs> how to explain things. But um, so, so for instance, if I put my hand out to grab a drink, um, the messages wouldn't get there as quick as someone else's because they fuse or something on the way. Um, but I, rhythm is a massive help for me. I, I have music on constantly. And if I, my tablets aren't working, um, which happens quite often, 
I put my headphones in and I can go to the beat. So I don't know whether the rhythm of swimming, like the one, two, three, breathe. And yeah, maybe that helped. I don't know. Was there ever a moment, especially with swimming, where you were scared that, you know, where you had the, it's the one, two, three and breathe. Did you ever get scared that there was a time, there's going to be a time where you, the message just didn't come and you were going to be like, shit, I'm still. <laughs> Of course there was, but you've got to live in fear a bit, haven't you? It adds to the excitement. That's very true. It's very true. So why why fitness? Why did fitness come into the picture? I've always been quite sporty um, because I wasn't academic at school, so sport was my thing. Um, I That's one thing I did miss through the years of being poorly. Um, I used to look at people doing things like marathons and all sorts of like, oh, I just would love to do it again. All of that sporty stuff. So fitness just came quite naturally to me. Um, it was just a thing that our family did. Yeah. So that, I obviously when you started walking and stuff, was that just instantly ingrained? Like, I want to be doing something. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to progress every step of the way. I was like always wanting to better myself. So where did co CrossFit come into the picture from there? Oh, CrossFit, oh my, I love, 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 love CrossFit. Um, it's been my saving grace, honestly. Um, so I went from triathlons, which was really good fun at the time and an amazing community. But the ball, I got bored quite quickly of just cycling, swimming and running, like yeah. only being challenged at those three things. So then I went to like fitness classes, like 60 seconds of like intense cardio and um, found I got a real buzz from that and like the sweaty kind of workouts. And then I just wanted to challenge myself more and more. Um, and my daughter had started CrossFit a year before and she said, mum, you'd love it. And I was like, oh, God, they're all so strong and so fit. I don't think my balance and coordination would lift a barbell and things. Still doesn't very well, but we'll go with it. Um, and then I went to my first class on recommendation from my daughter. Wow. So how was that first class? Scary, really scary. So did you, were you okay just going in and turning up or was it like a bit of a, I don't want to do this. No, there's never, I don't want to do this. It was, I had a bit of a panic attack the first time I went and I ended up going home without going to the class. But then I realised that I do want to challenge myself. So you've got to try it. Like I've got the motto also, got to try everything once before you sign it off. Um, so I went back the very next day and my, uh, my legs, which are very excitable, um, I made an entrance into the class and I was greeted by Sam Fennick, the coach there, who's my coach now. And she's absolutely wonderful. And she just was so welcoming and just adapted everything for me and didn't make me feel any different. Uh, like my ability obviously was a lot lower than the average person. Um, but she just, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel any difference at all. It was just great. You, you say your ability is a lot less than the average person, but I'd say now your ability is a lot more than the average person. I probably could kick a few people's asses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched, so before this, I always like to go through, you know, people's social media, that kind of thing, and have a look at, you know, what they've been doing. And I saw a video uh, that you put on, it was about a month ago, actually, of how far you'd come. Yeah. And the, it was the bit where you were in, I think it was a CrossFit competition in Marbella, is that right? Oh, yeah, Marbella Championship. They they honestly have my heart. That was the yeah. best championship ever. Like, to see, you know, this the video where you're you're hunched over looking like you're just about to collapse to the floor, to yeah. then you throw in handstands like they're absolutely nothing <laughs> and throw in barbells about like it's just like two kilo nothing as well. It's it's an absolute insane transformation. Like, do you ever look back on it and go, "Shit, I've come a long way." Like, only recently when making that video, like, I I'm very much a person who does doesn't look back. I always look forward. 
but making that video, I said, wow, I have actually defeated quite a lot of things. And yeah, it's quite crazy how far I've come. So why CrossFit competition? Why did that interest you? The, so I entered one, uh, a local one here, and I loved the buzz. I fell to pieces completely. It didn't, couldn't do half the things. My body was having a proper spaz out. And um, I could not clean the bars up, but the, and all the moves were just hopeless for me. But the buzz of the day and the atmosphere and the, just the feeling was amazing. And and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before that, I entered an adaptive competition with my daughter. So one able-bodied person and one adaptive. Um, and that's where I think I got the buzz from because she pushes me all the time that well they both do but she pushes me more in the CrossFit area my son would push me more in the partying way um but yeah so yeah I think that's where the CrossFit competition stem from do starting it with my daughter I saw the video where you did it with your daughter and I think you were doing goblet squats at the time and you just, so you go to go up and there's just no up backwards, but I love the fact that you just, just laughed it, both laughed it off and just carried on with it. Um, and I got up and said to her at that point, this weight is so heavy, she went, come on, you can do it. <laughs> was there, is there ever, or I feel like there isn't now, but was there ever a time where you were constantly in fear of judgment from others for what you're trying to do or you know how people may perceive you um not a fear but obviously you do it's hard to describe it's not nice being judged and i've had like quite a few judgment judgment judgmental comments so i can't speak comments sent my way um so i was in the uh, line to the pharmacy at boots and my legs were like on one that day, they were all over the place and I could hardly really control them at all. And I got called a druggie and um, I've been called a drunk in Tesco's by someone. Um, so yeah, it, it is hard to hear them, but you just got to end up feeling sorry for that person because you just think, well, why do you think that? Why would you throw that at someone? I feel like it's a lot of the time lack of education. I feel yeah. it, it's with anything. Like I think, you know, when people you see people be racist, but they don't intentionally do it. It's just generally yeah. lack of. Like even when they intentionally do it, it's just they're so uneducated on certain things yeah. that people do need to. You know, that's where we need to be better. Is I think people need to start educating themselves on different things and how people may be affected by what you say. But then when you're uneducated in it, why throw a comment about it? I that's what I don't understand. Like, we're not judgmental at all in our family. And I just think if you don't know, then just don't comment on it. If you've got, as my mum always says, if you've got nothing nice to say, then don't say anything at all. That's it. I just don't, I personally can't ever fathom how someone can just make comments so blase mm -hmm. and be okay with it. Like, I, I was talking to a friend yesterday who... And he was telling me about just some of the casual racism that he experiences. And I'm like, it, it just, it, I can't even imagine how people just think these comments are okay. And even like, you know, with disabilities, everything, there's just so much. And you're like, how, come on, like, just educate. Yeah, like that person is going through enough on a day-to-day -day basis. Why would you want to throw in some horrible comment and which you don't know actually if it is correct or not? That's it. It's just it's just absolutely baffling. What can people do to educate themselves about things like this? What how can people, you know, learn more about how to not how to be around people with disabilities or whatever, but how can they just learn to be better? Um well, just don't judge, just treat everybody the same. Um everyone's a human being at the end of the day um everyone has feelings everyone has the same day-to-day -day things they go through so just treat everyone equally i, I totally 100 percent agree i just think there's so many people who and accept, really know it. it it's just accept people for what they are because 
Hey, everyone's different. God, the world would be a boring place if we were all the same. Oh, 100%. Just accept it, isn't it? I think if there was two of me as well, I think the world would just be a worse place, if I'm honest. <laughs> if that's two of me, oh my God. My mum and dad would have a kitten, honestly. <laughs> so what do you plan to do with um, the CrossFit competition? Do you plan to take it further? Oh, I'd love to take it further. So it's been a great uh, platform to be able to get my story out there to help people. Um, it's made me a bit just known that this is what you can do and what you can achieve if you put your mind to it. Um, I am definitely 100% going back to Marbella Championship. <laughs> without fail, even if I have to sell my house to get there. Uh, it was... I honestly can't thank Marbella Championship enough for what they've done for me. They've been supportive after, before and during. They're, they're just wonderful. So I'd like to carry on competing to be able to spread the message that your life doesn't have to end when you get diagnosed with something like early onset Parkinson's. Love it. Your life can just begin. <laughs> so with the CrossFit, just um, as a general overview, Obviously, they've now introduced adaptive divisions, haven't they? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the adaptive divisions for people that may not know? So there's neuromuscular, which is what I, the category I fit into. And there's lower, lower, oh, I can't, impairment, I think it's called or something. So I have a few friends with legs missing. Um, and my really good friend, Charlie, who is, he got me in. I actually met him at the first adaptive competition in Cardiff and we've been friends ever since and he, he's been my like shining star throughout it, guiding me all these through these adaptive competitions. He was the one who got me to sign up to Marbella. Um, yeah, so there's the, them and there's um, amputees of arms and legs and I think, but I do actually think the hardest category has got to be, not taking it away from the others, but it's got to be the neuromuscular because it is such a wide range of illnesses. Is that what you call it? Illnesses? Yeah. Disabilities, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's what I can think of at the top of my head. Because it's new this year. It's, well, last year it was new to the games, wasn't it? I think it's uh, three years old, isn't it? This is the. Is this is the. I could be wrong. I could be I'm wrong because I don't sure. follow it. I don't follow it closely. I. I think, I, it may just be they're putting a lot more into the growth of it. They put yeah. like because before I I'd only ever seen there was you know the men and the women's and then I followed a guy called I think he's called Logan Aldridge. Yeah. He's, yeah, insane. The guy who can clean and jerk 100 kilo with one arm. <laughs> and Crazy. See, I, everything is possible. Literally, I can't even clean and jerk 100 kilo. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, yeah, like I, I found the adaptive division through his Instagram. Yeah. And I think since then, it's obviously grown a lot. Um, and I really like the fact that they are incorporating it and they are yeah. allowing this inclusivity for anyone to compete, you know? Definitely. It, it's really good. I think it opens up the whole thing for other people to enter then, doesn't it? Because um, I'm pretty sure, actually thinking back, sorry, I'm pretty sure it is three years because Amy Bream is it. Um, her handle name is One Leg to Stand On. She's hilarious. Um, she, I'm pretty sure she's done it three times, CrossFit Games, I'm pretty sure. What, so what division is she? She's um, l lower amputee, I think. Okay. See, I've, I've only ever re really watched the upper amputee. Yeah. And that, like, I don't know, I, I struggle to move. <laughs> regularly <laughs> never mind like I, i'm just like i'm blown away by these athletes who can adapt to just they look at the situation and just go fuck it i'm gonna do it and it's like rope climbs and all with one arm and crazy people 
like yeah, it's it's wild. I saw actually in the video you did. Was it your first rope climb in the, yes, the video? My legless first legless rope climb. That is wild to be able to do I'm that. Impressed with that. And I have got quite strong arms, but not at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah, I was well impressed with that. And and in front of Craig Ritchie. <laughs> so how how was that whole day with him? Like, because obviously he told he told your story in a very very beautiful way that it was so just just raw and great the way he told it i really liked did, it he did put it beautifully together it was so lovely that day was so special and um, it will stay with me forever i think definitely he he was just they were just so normal people and so genuinely lovely and welcoming and yeah it was just so calm and i thought my legs would be throwing all over the place but they were just so welcoming you felt at ease straight away they're just yeah they're beautiful people beautiful yeah i uh it's quite funny actually i haven't actually spoken to him but when i was at the formula one at silverstone in july so bastille were playing and there's there was a certain song that was on and there was a group behind us who was screaming to the song i was like who's that and i turned around i was like i recognize that guy <laughs> and it turned out to be uh, Kevin Winkins, you know, the... Oh, yes, yeah. And I was like, I, I was like, I know him. I know him from somewhere. And then I turn a bit more and I'm like, oh, my God, that's Craig Ritchie. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> like, I didn't speak yeah, to him. I'm, like, But, yeah, he was I'm, just like, he just seemed like just, you know, normal, normal as can be person. They are really normal. I'm meeting him on uh, 10th of December in London, actually, at the Hustle um pop-up shop thing are you so, oh you're going to be there are you yeah so yeah if i, if I was in the uk i would 100 percent have been going to that event i'm quite gutted oh, that i'm not amazing and like mikey Steele and all those will be there it's gonna be such a laugh yeah it's, it's the absolute powerhouses as well them lot like reggie Fasser, mikey Steele. yeah Kevin. that's it i was thinking of reggie yeah yeah fittest in the uk <laughs> yeah. I think Wild. I'll be a little bit starstruck though, because like they're they're just they're phenomenal, aren't they? So yeah, like it, to be fair, like I've done a few interviews with certain people. Um, I've not you might know him because he is slightly in CrossFit. Uh, Leon Bustin, part of the Lean Machines. Yes, I do. Yeah. Know. So I did an interview with him, and before it, I was like, I had that feeling where I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to be speaking to Leon Bustin. And then it was just like the most genuine guy, like just You had every... that feeling for me also, didn't you? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's I don't know, you you always tend to find when you speak to these people, you're like just it's like having a, a pint with your mate in the pub. Just yeah, genuine. Yeah. They are all at the end of the day, they are just normal human beings, aren't they? But yeah. We see them on the screen and on social media. We think they're something like, yeah, they are. It, cre normal. it kind of creates that barrier. I feel like when you when it's through social media and through YouTube, whatever. It just I feel like it creates this barrier of like they're just this. We're like on one side they've and they're on the other. You kind of thing, would they? That's what you think, but they are. They're all just lovely, lovely people. To be honest, all CrossFitters are lovely, I find. I've, I've, that's one thing I have noticed. I feel like it's one of the most inclusive communities and just everyone just everyone becomes friends with everyone. Yeah. Because um, I'm into like jiu-jitsu and stuff like that, and I find them communities are very similar because you spend a lot of time with the same people and mm. everyone just becomes mates with everyone. Yeah, I'd love a go with jiu-jitsu. It's quite fun. Is that the one where you like put them on the floor? So it's yeah. So there's judo, which is like to do with that's the Olympic sport where you take them down. Okay. Like there's a lot of the takedowns and stuff. And jujitsu is like submission based. So can you basically? It's like the extreme of it is like can you break someone's arm or can you choke them out? And but it's not like that. Like everyone is. So if I get someone in a, in a choke, as soon as they tap or say tap, I let go. Done. There's... Oh, we have to have a go at that. When you're back in the UK, you have to. <laughs> like, we'll, find, have to... we'll find a gym near you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm willing to try anything, but that's um, fun. I can oh, use it's... it on my brothers at Christmas. <laughs> it's honestly great. It's 
it's one of those sports, it's very like CrossFit, where mm-hmm. it, it humbles you very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you, the, there's guys who go to jujitsu who like, they, they might be, you know, half the size of me, the bit, you know, bigger, like just, you know, they, they don't look at like in great shape. They'll throw you about. They will absolutely throw you about, give you a hard time and put you to sleep if they wanted to. Just as if it was nothing. Deceiving. That's it. That's it. Like, because, you know, you look at, you look at CrossFit athletes and you just think they're massive. There they're going to be a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's like there's, there's guys who weigh half what I do and they have thrown me about and like, there was there was once actually a guy threw me to the floor and it happened so fast that I hit the floor and I felt like my soul had left my body. Like, <laughs> I was just like I had no idea what was going on. Oh my gosh, you poor thing! I it's, bet that was that was quite good fun at the same time. It is because you you're always learning, you're always adapting. Because yeah. th- that's that's the thing. It's I think sports where you can look at a situation and go, what what went wrong? How can I make it better? They're the best because. You're, you're always a beginner. You can never be the expert. There's always someone who can teach you that bit more, you know? That's exactly what CrossFit's like. I think that's why I love it so much because there's always new challenges and always new things to learn, always new skills. You're never going to be amazing at all of it. There's always something you can improve on. Yeah. The, the one thing I, I do, like, I, I really love CrossFit as the community. But what I yeah. think it's it's quite pricey for the general population because I remember go when I was in uni in Liverpool I was like I want to go to a CrossFit gym that was when I got into that and I looked at the price I was like twenty pound for a pure gym or it's like upwards towards a hundred a month for CrossFit and I was like that's the only issue that's there. Yeah, yeah, you need to come down and live in West Wales. We're all cheap down here. <laughs> <laughs> But it is an expensive thing. But then it's worth the money, I feel. Because you just learn so much. 100%. It's like now I wouldn't have a problem doing it. But it's like I feel like... But at that age, yeah. It's that be Like for me, it was being a student or, you know, maybe someone is like, you know, they they work all hours of the week and they don't really have much money aside because, you know, they've got Mm. kids or something. And then they go, I just want some community. They can't find it in CrossFit because it does outprice people. And that's where maybe gyms can be a bit more inclusive. But overall, as a sport, it's unbelievable what it does for people. They could put in like student discounts and things. Yeah, just just a cheeky 20%. I'm all good with that. We all love a 20% off. (laughs) I still rinse uni days. So, you know, I'll be doing that till I'm 28, 29. Yeah, The, the community of it is just mind-blowingly amazing right and so we talked about acceptance before about me accepting who I am CrossFit massively helped me accept who I am and embrace who I am like I was never and never been embarrassed to be as the way I'm moving things and even with the judgmental comments thrown in my way um, I haven't ever, ever like dwelled on it and thought bad of myself, but I think CrossFit has definitely given me more confidence to be like, yes, this is me, spazzy legs and all, bring it on, love them or hate them, you know. It's, um, yeah, definitely has given me confidence. So for people, obviously there's... A lot of people in the world who struggle with self-confidence, struggle with self-belief. What are your main sort of, what, what would you say to people who struggle with self-confidence? Stop caring about what people think. Because my mum my once said to me when I was a teenager, and she said, you're never going to stop people thinking, so why worry about it? And I that stuck with me, and I just think, <clears throat> be confident with who you are. You, you're, you're who you are for a reason, and just embrace it and love every part of you, whether it's spazzy, whether it's whatever. Yeah. I just, like I've said in um, 
previously, I used to really hate my jittery legs because they're so unreliable. Sorry, <clears throat> so unreliable. But now I absolutely love them, like they're part of me. So definitely just embrace who you are. Love yourself. Love it. Absolutely love it. And for people, to, so where, how can people support you and what you do and your message you're trying to put across? Just get people moving. That's what I want to do. I just want people to know that I've said before, life doesn't stop when you get diagnosed with a neurological disorder. It can just begin um, and just, I, I don't really know how, just know that anything is possible and just keep throwing the love my way. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So where can people find you? How can people see what you're up to all the time? So I'm on Instagram as Spazzy Jewels. Okay. Um, you can follow my journey through that of CrossFit and being Spazzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love calling myself Spazzy. I make a joke of myself all the time. <laughs> I've noticed. Um, yeah, and <laughs> just I I really hope I get the chance to keep competing. Because it is very, very, very expensive to keep travelling to these places. Um, and just spreading my message, really. That's where you'll find me on Instagram, spreading the love of having Parkinson's and, and having the laughs. Honestly, the, the fails are the best thing to watch ever. Keep an eye on my story because that's where I mainly put my fails. <laughs> like, your, like your shoulder, popping your shoulder out, eh? And what a donut. <laughs> I, I was literally doing a handstand walk and just fell the wrong way and I didn't even know I'd done it and then I, I actually went on to do another workout and after and then I said to my coach oh do you know I think I've really bruised my shoulder it's really hurting so I'm gonna go home and ice it and then come back this afternoon and then as I got closer to home I just steered my car straight to AD and I had dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> Was it still dislocated when you yeah. got to... Yeah. What? I have come <laughs> to the conclusion I am literally as hard as nails. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it. <laughs> no, but it didn't actually hear that much when I did it. It was just like, oh, I knocked my shoulder. And I, I said to my friend, oh, that... we were laughing. Like I was literally on the floor laughing and she was laughing at me. And uh, I got up, had a chat with him and then went on and did another workout <laughs> with a dislocated shoulder. I, I think I'm certainly insane as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've gathered that bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's maybe what you need to be as positive as I am, be a little bit insane. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to ask because obviously you said you were going to go back in the afternoon for a workout. How many, how like how many days a week do you work out? And also, what does your training schedule look like? So, um, before the competitions took off, and I realised I was fairly good at CrossFit, like the adapt in my category, um, or like the love of it. I was doing as many classes as I could, so once a day, I would go seven days a week if you let me. But but I limited it to six days a week, only because the gym wasn't open on the Sunday. And um, yeah, so then after the competitions, did I did really well um, and I enjoyed them. My daughter's partner, coaches, is a brilliant coach. Um, and he made me a program for to get to get better because I wanted to get much stronger and be able to do the moves better and my, improve my technique. And um, so then my training program looked like twice a day, three times a week, three or four times a week, and then um, yeah, and then the rest once a day. But That's, it's intense, very intense. Oh, I know, but I love it. I, I literally, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. I know I'm a bit crazy, but honestly, it's just amazing what the feeling I get from training that much. 
and just the social side of it, everything is just great. Yeah. So what do you do for recovery as well? Oh, cry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. no, recovery, um, I'm, I'm quite, my, my argument is, right, I spent so many years in the wheelchair, I rested then, so I don't need to rest now. And so it's not always the best way to look at it, but um, so my recovery days are literally just walking the dog. I'm always, always active, always doing something. I, I can't sit down for longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> so you don't, you don't pretty well here then, haven't you, to last, what, yeah. 55 minutes? Like I know, and I haven't even jigged that much. I've been quite good. I've been quite controlled. <laughs> But then also, if you take the um, my magic power away from me and my other drugs, I'll be like cardboard and won't be able to move. So <laughs> if you need I, me to keep still, that's all you have to do. <laughs> I can't. I still can't get over the fact that literally, if you if you medication can change your world, basically. Oh, definitely. It is. So um, I think uh, when I was diagnosed. Um, and what stage I was at, they said, when your medication doesn't work, because not every tablet works, um, it depends on what you've eaten, and like if you've got a full stomach or you've eaten too much protein, the tablet doesn't always work because it absorbs from the gut. So um, they, they did say that I would revert back to where I was, and actually now I don't revert back quite as bad but there there are times when I can't move because my medication isn't working and I slow slow down massively but yeah it is quite crazy that it's like a magic pill it really is is there anything like a nutritional intervention that you found helps as well in terms of symptoms oh yeah massively so I think diet has had a massive thing to do with it as well um so I follow, I read a book, it's a really hard book to read because um, the writing's really small. <laughs> <laughs> but written by John Coleman and he's from America and he was claiming that he had cured himself of Parkinson's. And he, um, so he shows you a load of exercises to do which were really boring for me. Um, but the diet was amazing that he told you to follow. Um, it was basically no sugar, no wheat, no dairy, no meat. That's the base of it. So I stuck to that religiously for three years, didn't cheat once on it. And I do think that has had a massive thing to my recovery of getting to where I am. But now, like, obviously, I add a bit more food into it because I need more protein and things. But yeah. So diet has had a massive impact on me as well as exercise. So did you go vegan diet then? To... Sounds it, doesn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. I pretty much lived on um, fish and veg. <laughs> wow. Because, yeah, a lot of, you hear a lot about, you know, meats and dairies being inflammatory foods and not so helpful especially in terms of recovery of your from injuries and what have you but obviously there's both sides of it it can and it yeah. can't but it's crazy that cutting those things out has helped as well it is and gluten was a massive deal for me like i still can't tolerate gluten at all but they say gluten cutting out gluten out of a diet for parkinson's is a massive help and yeah it really it's just crazy that your body can survive on like fish and veg and it, literally at the best it was my skin was amazing I felt really good I was like never tired it was yeah diet is just crazy here if you've got it right you're running absolutely love it um yeah I think this is probably the best place to end but I've got one final question for you oh, go on throw it at me how would you like to be remembered? As a nutty spaz. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it and completely sums up this episode. It's been fantastic. Thank you ever so much. It's been a delight.
I just want to say a massive thank you to Jules for this episode. It, I remember walking away from it thinking, shit, I need to up my game in terms of my positivity towards life because this woman has gone through so much more than I have, yet she is so much more positive than me. So it was a lesson that I needed and probably some people who are listening may need. Yeah, it was one of the most insightful podcasts that I've done and she's just amazing. So please follow Jules. You'll find a link in the description below and please remember to share the podcast, like it, subscribe and yeah, follow along as more episodes come out week by week every Monday. So be sure to watch out for the next one. Thank you.